competing at a combined weight of 405 pounds. They are the reigning, defending, undisputed racing dudes, triple crown champions of the world, the Magic. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 441. Mr. Samich. Huzzah! Hey, uh, we survived Tampa Bay Downs, and by survived, I mean we're still here the Monday afterwards, survived Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, Hell of a weekend emotions-wise, but uh, overall, I think probably a pretty pretty good one overall. How are you doing today? Yeah, it was a good weekend. Um, That that Tampa Bay sequence is a roller coaster because we're both under Forrest that first race, get the seven to one home, beat a really short price. Uh, I try and dodge Wonder Wheel. You go too deep in that race and we get a 50 or 30 something to one shot that goes gate to wire that was just quit out last time at seven furlongs. Rough race to lose that way. Had litigate. You had, I mean, it was just kind of back and forth. You had the six in the last. I had the one at 10 to one coming up the rail who couldn't quite get it done. So, uh, emotional roller coaster there. And then obviously Sunday, we've got a great Super Bowl, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little at the end. Uh, but man, this, uh, this Derby prep season, it's something right now. I mean, it, it is, it is just something you, you again, having me pick my Derby winner right now. And it's like, I'm gonna go ahead and pick a horse that has yet to run this year. And the only other horse I considered was a horse that has yet to run this year. I mean, it's just <laughs> wonderful. And I, I think if you caught the live show on Saturday, you could tell by how we were, kind of acting and the, the amount of energy there was in that show just how excited we were for some of these horses that we're now going to talk about today on monday uh, jared joined at the very end of the live show after the races were done he's he said a couple of things that nobody really reacted he goes you guys are a lot of fun right now or like man if you had to sit here and do this for the last hour and a half and this is the results we got you'd be the same well, way it's not even like you know you saw wonder wheel and julia shining get beat in the sun coast by like oh shit like the the other cassie or, or something like that it was that's the horse that won <sighs> all right <laughs> it's like there's nothing nothing exciting on that note let's get into the exciting derby talk we've got planned for today uh some prep races uh, that happened some allowance races or, or such that we can talk about and then of course as mike's favorite segment who's your kentucky derby pick right now as of this week let's get into it buddy riders up My first one we'll talk about here is we'll stay at Tampa Bay Downs, uh, the Sam F. Davis Stakes, which we're watching on the screen here. Uh, Litigate gets the job done. Good pick by you. You know, he did overcome the post. A lot of horses were not able to overcome the interesting trip issues from the break there. Yeah, I mean, this was this this race is just a, a, a trip trouble nightmare here, and especially into this first turn. We mentioned on the live stream that the seven horse who was your favorite in this spot ends up five wide after taking a bad step. You can see the horses in the back struggling. The six horse has trouble classic car washer on the first turn who was, I was interested and just a mess of a race here early. And it really favored the horses that were toward the front because they didn't get in any of that trouble, even though they were going a little bit quick up front. Yeah. The, the horse that I thought, you know, obviously WNL the, the, did not have the good break from the start there. Uh, that was the one you saw get pinched back uh, midway through the turn. 
not a good return for him. Uh, pretty disappointing effort here. A litigate I thought ran well. You saw Saez get him clear and get over to save ground, and then he let the other horses, the kind of the cheap speed, go out there and do what they were able to do. I thought it was a good effort from him here, but the buyer came back pretty slow. 77 for the win. Groveland, you see there, the long shot in second, held on to keep second at 21 to 1. He gets a 75. Not very inspiring with the way they came home. No, I mean, I, the one thing you will say about Litigate, he was wide on both turns. So, you know, the buyer may come back a little bit light here for this effort because he did run probably an extra, you know, 200 yards compared to what the, the winner was going because of where he sat around the first turn and the second turn. So a rough trip for Litigate, able to get it done. I don't want to bash the number, but the problem is like when you look at what's behind him, there's just not much here, right? I mean, I, I was on Classic Car Wash. The six horse ends up running, I think, third or fourth year, one of the two. Who was 20 to one on the morning line? Aaron liked the one Worthington a little bit. I mean, we were trying to take shots against this field, and you have a horse that doesn't really dominate the field that kind of comes back, that we're lukewarm on already, that Pletcher decided to send here to Tampa versus staying in Florida after a disappointing allowance last time out. The winner of that allowance, Cycle of Mischief, runs an absolute dud in the Fountain of Youth next out. So it's just like... It's hard to get excited about litigate at this point, although you kind of have to expect, you know, now we're, we've got derby points. We're going to stay on the trail. Like he's going to be one that you have to look at again. But this is a classic example of like, hey, I want to try and beat litigate next time out because litigate got bet from a five to one morning line down to a five to two off odds. And he's not a horse. I, I think it's like ultra talented. And, you know, the buyer came back 77, I believe it was for the win. Pretty light there. Yes, I like I said, three wide, three wide. So you kind of give him a little bit of an upgrade. But, I mean, he's going to have to improve by leaps and bounds to be, even be able to contend with horses that you would expect to be in the Derby starting game. He kind of feels to me like a litigate. This is a, a horse that, you know, will probably go to maybe the Bluegrass or something like that for his next start, maybe Tampa Bay Derby. Uh, and then he'll have enough points. He'll make the Kentucky Derby. He'll finish like 17th. And then they'll go to the Belmont with him and he'll probably get like fifth or something like that. He's, he's bred to run all day, but he's nothing. There's no kick that he has. There's nothing exciting about him. I was against him here partially because of the post and also because Cyclo Mischief beat the piss out of him. Cyclo Mischief completely bounced in the Holy Bull. Um, a good effort here for what he was doing. But I, yeah, I don't think we're thinking too seriously about him uh, moving forward. Another horse we can talk about. That possibly we are excited to uh, to see a horse that we tried claiming for the race new Triple Crown Fantasy League because we just knew the Wither Stakes was going to be straight hit show over Arctic Arrogance. That's what we got. Uh, the buyer for Hit Show comes back a 91, a much improved career best for him. Uh, what do you think about Hit Show in the Wither Stakes? I thought this is actually a pretty good race from Hit Show. Um, Arctic Arrogance, we've, we've at least seen run good races before. Now, obviously. What happened at Tampa with WHNL kind of hurts Arctic Arrogance a little bit. But this was a professional effort from Hit Show. Um, was able to sit behind the pace, was able to get comfortable. Arctic Arrogance goes right to the lead and, and gets a pretty comfortable lead, really, in this backstretch. You see the two is going to press a little bit, but nothing that that should really hurt. You have Hit Show there, the four horse who's sitting on the rail in about fifth. I thought the move was very good, opened up down the stretch. Um, a little concerned that, that Cox decided to put Hit Show here. This was one of the four long shots I mentioned on the video. We got, got him at 66 to 1 if you bet Hit Show to win the Derby at that video. I still like that price. Don't like the new price because now we're staring at down the barrel around 25, 20 to 1, depending on where you're looking. That seems a little bit short for this horse because Cox 
going to New York with it, not necessarily a vote of confidence from that barn versus, you know, being in Louisiana, being in at Oakland, being down in Florida. Those are the places where you expect to see his better horses. But this was a good performance, right? I mean, Arctic Arians was clearly the second best or best horse going into this race and hit show took over down the lane. Arctic Arrogance had no response for him. Probably doesn't want this much distance. Uh, Arctic Arrogance doesn't, but Hit Show looked good, was able to stalk, make a move, and, and get loose. Uh, as far as Hit Show goes, it, it's funny. Four starts, three wins. He's always been the favorite. He's never been higher than eight to five, and that's when he won at Oakland Park last out. And I think you bring up a great point, Mike. Hit Show was actually entered for the Southwest Sticks. Cox had three horses entered, and he described, decided to scratch Hit Show and send him. The Withers was supposed to be a week prior. So, you know, he would have run last weekend in the Withers instead of at Oakland two weeks ago. Um, I think that's pretty telling. But the buyers have steadily progressed. He debuts with the win, gets a 60, then a 71 for finishing fourth behind Confidence Game and Rocket Can on Stars of Tomorrow 2 card. Take a drink. And then, yeah, he goes to Oakland Park, stretches out uh, or does a mile, gets a nice win. And then the Withers here. He's progressing nicely. He's probably going to be looked at as a B candidate. But by Candy Ride, out of a tap at Mayor, um, there should be plenty of breeding here for him to want to keep going long. Arctic Arrogance, our boy, uh, finishes second yet again. And now we're targeting the Gotham Stakes because apparently mile and eighth is too long. So we're going to cut back to that stupid mile for 50 points. Um, I'd say lock him up for second. I think that's a good a good move for him right now. Uh, Slip Mahoney is probably going to win. Arctic Arrogance second. If you can get that in your future books, you get it now. Uh, I'm hearing some grumblings. There's going to be another horse headed up there for it that we've actually talked about in private that will not be running at Oakland, but will run up there. So we'll talk about that again after the show, um, which would make it awfully interesting if that is the spot. Look, Arctic Arrogance is a wonderful horse to own, right? Let's just put it that way. Horse tries yes. hard every time, can run well against good competition. Um, the one thing I would say, buyer perspective from Hitcho, you mentioned he's progressing every race. These buyers at Aqueduct going two turns for three-year-olds can be very tough to make sometimes because this time is really slow. But Aqueduct mm -hmm. has been slow all week. So that's not necessarily a knock against the time because this is kind of what you've seen. Like you've seen six furlong sprints that have gone 23 and three to open the, the first quarter of a mile. And that that's exactly what we saw here going the mile and a quarter. So or mile and eight. So the time was pretty good here from an early pace perspective. Uh, yeah, they were slow late. But Aqueduct, like I said, has been slow. However, I mentioned how hard it is to make these buyers because there's not a lot of comps to like, hey, tell me another stakes for three-year-olds that's run at Aqueduct at a mile and an eighth so far this year. Wait, let me guess. It's zero. Um, so I'm kind of worried when we saw the buyers come back for Arctic Arrogance and WHNL and they were seemed high. <laughs> and then we saw what WHL did at Tampa. And now we have Hit Show and Arctic Arrogance as buyers. Seem a little high again, right? So I, I'm concerned we may have inflated buyers at Aqueduct through these prep races this year. Yeah, and I think uh, something to kind of back that up. Uh, if you look at Arctic Arrogance, you know he finished second to uh, WNL in the Remsen Stakes last December. Uh, he gets an 89 buyer for that, and then it's an 84 for second in the Jerome, and now he gets an 82 here. WNL's first race after the Remsen, when he left New York, it went down for him. So. Um, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's it's it is a tough track. You're right. It is very slow there. But yeah, the B squad. But you're right that you'd love to own him. We love to own him in fantasy, of course. Um, so not to worry about that. Let's talk about uh, a couple of non prep. We're not going to talk about the El Camino Real Derby. 
I, unless the chat really wants to, we can do that. But we gave really out the chat on, on YouTube backslash racing dudes for that prep, though. Yeah, no, sorry. I thought I thought that one of the two Bafferts, which were the only two Triple Crown nominated horses, thought one of them was going to win it. Uh, I think Gilmore was who we both liked, the one horse, because that had a free Preakness entry. You're like, okay, well, they'll at least go off and do the Preakness with this horse, uh, you know, somewhere down the line. Not didn't even win that race. Couldn't beat. Couldn't beat a gelding named Chase the Chaos. Anyways, let's go to Gulfstream Park for Saturday uh, race. Or sorry, February 11th. This is race 10, a maiden special weight. Um, big return of a horse named Arthur's Ride, who in two starts at Saratoga as a two-year-old, finished second to Disarm, who we'll see this week in the Risen Star Stakes. And then Instant Coffee, a multiple graded stakes winner since then. Uh, comes back, a very nice return. You got to love the fact that he gets a career best buyer off the layoff, going a longer distance than he'd done, Mike. Yeah, can you go back to the start real quick and just pause it when you're showing the gate? Just I want to point sure. this out. Uh, the gate broke at Gulfstream Park before this race. Note the gap between the six and the seven. So we had like the That's little right. Kentucky Derby auxiliary gate action here going, uh, which is interesting because the six was your favorite in this race, a horse named Case, second-time starter. Uh, the eight was a first-time starter, dreamlike, uh, $975,000 purchase headed to the Pletcher Barn. So the six and the eight are the two main factors in this race. I can play it now. I just wanted to make sure I called that out. Um, yeah, this is an interesting horse. I, I, let me just put it this way. I was not inspired by anything I saw all weekend headed into the Derby trail, you know, chase for chaos, I believe was the winner of the Alcamino Real Derby. That sounds like what this, this lead up to the Kentucky Derby has been so far with what we've seen. It's, it's been chaotic and it's been wild. Uh, this is a horse I would love to bet against next time out because, they went quick early. They, they run a 45 half in this race, 45 and change half, but not really sure what Arthur's ride beat here. Not really sure Arthur's ride is going to be able to sustain this going longer, especially if you're going this quickly up front, not the quickest horse in this class. So won't be able to get this type of, of setup in two turn longer races. I, to me, this is one of those where it's like, Hey, I think this horse is talented. I think this horse is probably better around one turn than two because of the running style that we're seeing from him. And it's one of those where like, okay, it's a nice, nice maiden score, but we have no clue what you beat here, right? You beat Case, who was, who was your favorite. And, and like I said, dream like expensive purchase, but first time starting going a mile is not easy to do and ends up running a pretty good second. I, I'm more interested in dream like out of this race than I am Arthur's ride. Yeah, uh, Dreamlike and, and is uh, definitely, I think, a horse that you would want to watch for next out. Plenty of expectations for that horse. Arthur's ride, it, you know, his dam and his uh, siblings, at least the best ones that he's had, they're all great on turf. Uh, I think that this horse ultimately, uh, you look down the line, is going to love turf if they give it a shot. I think this is a case where we get to maybe Saratoga, Mike. And by that point, Mott's decided, you know, he didn't make the Derby and he didn't do well in the Preakness or the Belmont, whatever. Uh, and then we're going to try the Saratoga Derby or maybe the, the Belmont Derby. You know, we try one of those and so he shows up on turf. This horse is bred to love the turf. Uh, you see the way he finishes there going the mile. Um, I think that two turns on turf he should be able to handle. It's a different game right when we get to dirt. So, uh, But watch out for Arthur's ride if he ever shows up on turf. I think that's especially at Saratoga. I think that could be a real sneaky Belmont move. 
Well, I like I like the call too because you have this tactical speed, right? You have a horse that that can be forwardly placed. Uh, if you look at the other starts for Arthur's Ride, it was you mentioned instant coffee in the first race, but has been able to pass some horses in those starts as well. So I think Arthur's Ride could be a useful horse long term, but I just I don't see the classic distances as something that he's going to excel at based on the running style. Uh, like I said, if I'm 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 stabled up Dreamlike out of this race, I'm probably going to bet Dreamlike back as a single next time he shows up for Pletcher. He's going to be a short price, so you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to pay for your house because of Dreamlike. But he is a horse that I do think is going to be able to break his maiden next time out. Uh, let's go back. We're going to bookend it here with Tampa Bay Downs one more time, but I, I promise this will be a more exciting one, I think, than litigate uh, winning the Sam F. Davis. We had an allowance race two turns at Tampa on uh, Sunday, race six, I believe it was. I want to talk about it because Pletcher had a horse named Kings Barnes in here. The one to two favorite just absolutely smoked him. This could be your early favorite for the Tampa Bay Derby in about a month here, Mike. This is another one I'm looking forward to betting against. <laughs> like, and one of the main reasons is the horse that runs seconds, the three, who, if you noticed, kind of misses the break a little bit. I think it's Mikey's Bananas, something like that is the name yep. of the horse. Uh, misses the break a little bit. This is the most awkward looking horse I've ever seen. If you watch how this horse runs down the stretch, I'm not sure if you've seen this replay yet, but this horse running down the stretch looks like he has no clue how to run. Like It's just like the legs are all over the place. The body is all over the place. It's absolutely wild. Um, Kingsbarn, look, he, he ran well here. He looks good. The one horse was the really the other threat here, which was also a Pletcher horse that had a big number breaking his maiden. The one horse wasn't very good, right? And, and the three horse... He's also not very good. If you look at the other races that he'd run, and it was third off a layoff for him, stretching out two sprints to, to a route here. Um, and just, I'm not sure what's behind Kingsbarn here. I wasn't overly impressed with Kingsbarn's first race win. Now, that being said, if the, the Tampa Bay Derby field is anything like what we just saw in the Sam F. Davis, yeah, this horse should be favored in that race. But uh, I did not think this was as visually impressive as a lot of other people thought, and I'm not as high on Kingsbarn as a lot of other people are. Watch this three yeah, down the stretch, man. It's hilarious. It looks like the three doesn't know how to run. And he, he's just awkward the whole way. Are you talking about the two? No, he's no, the three. The horse oh, might be bananas. Okay. That actually tries to catch him. But like look at just look how goofy his legs are. They're all over the place. And then he tries to speed up here. And he just he looks like he's gonna trip. Boy, he really does. I didn't <laughs> notice that before. I wasn't watching him. I was watching King's Parts, but you're not kidding. He's uh, and that's the horse that pressed the barn around the turn. Now I realize he opened up and looked good, but uh, like there really was nothing behind him here. They go a mile and one thirty-eight. Both of the last two quarter miles are twenty-six seconds. Like just if that's going to be a short price favorite in a stakes race, I will be betting against that short price favorite. Uh, he and Cuvier, the third place finisher, also a Pletcher horse. They debuted at the same time on uh, the same day at Gulfstream, on January fourteenth. Um, they both got wins there, and we came out of it saying Kings Barnes could probably, be, you know, handle two turns a bit, move forward. Cuvier should not, and he should be a sprinter. So I think if Cuvier returns back to a one-turn race, going six and a half, seven, maybe even shorter than that at Gulfstream, he's a horse that you may don't touch him on the Derby Trail. Um, mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to get that. Yeah, hey, hey, you get a compliment. Hero says good eye on those legs there. I didn't catch it either. Yeah, I, I agree. To be fair, I, I played Mikey's Bananas in the tournament that I was in, so I was watching the three quite a bit in that first race. <laughs> I, I was. I was set to bet against Kingsbar in his second start here. Uh, unfortunately, there was nothing to bet on in this race. Like, it was no Noto, who I, I guess you could have made a case for at 7-2, who scratched out of uh, a stakes race 
to go into this allowance. Um, yep. It just wasn't inspiring on the page. Like this was a pretty weak race. And, and if you look back at Mikey's bananas, like he's been running in optional allowances at, at six furlongs, I believe it was at Tampa and was stretching out to two turns for the first time. And this is clearly what I thought was the second best horse on paper going into this thing. And when that is the second best horse on paper, I'm not going to give you a ton of credit for winning a race like that. The, the waters are going to get a lot deeper for Kings Barn at some point. He will be a bet against. I'm hoping that's the next race when you see the competition get a little tougher and he still gets bet off the board. 85 buyer for Kings Barnes for a second star. Big improvement from the first one. Still a, a good ways to go. But uh, hey, the way he keeps progressing, uh, you'll, we'll see what happens. Mike, let's talk about some great news for us. Cave Rock. He finally had his first workout of the year. It happened today. Uh, praise be. And not only that, Mike, it was not a slow donkey time like Forte has been putting in. Uh, he put in at a half mile, 47 and four, uh, knowing the way that the Baffert training schedule usually works. We'll probably see a month and a half's worth of six and seven furlong works for him. Uh, but let, I want to talk about it. Realistically, where do you see him showing up? I mean, do we wait until the Santa Anita Derby when he's with a new trainer? Is, is that how far we have to wait for this? I don't know. I mean, this is this is tough because you. you the plan was rebel, right? I mean, and that's just out right. the window. There's no chance that's happening. And so you're, you're probably looking at a one and done prep scenario here for Cave Rock, um, who is, is, I think you could argue, is one of the two most talented three-year-olds we've seen right now at this point, which is wild to say since there's only one workout into his three-year-old season. Um, but, you know, I hero mentions this, like the Derby Exact is Forte and Cave Rock. They're still the best two three-year-olds we've, we've seen and that was based off their two-year-old races right we haven't seen anything that's, yeah. that's kind of blown you out of the water there so I, I think it's really interesting what you do with this horse because i i would make the argument he was the most talented horse we saw it too and you have to figure out okay where are you sending him because he can't stay in the baffert barn at what point do you switch him over because it's probably somewhere during this workout tab and then where did, like, is Baffert talking to the new trainers to make sure that Cave Rock gets the spot to be able to win to get into the Derby? Or do they all go to the same trainer, which I don't think we're going to see. We saw an Asmussen, we saw a Baffert show up with Asmussen this weekend. Like, so right. where the, 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 the Tetris that is going to have to be played to make sure that Cave Rock gets into the Derby, if that's what you want, is going to be pretty extreme at this point because of how late we are starting out. Can I throw you a wild idea? This is aggressive, too. I don't know if this will even be possible because of the long layoff. If Cave Rock is as fit as Baffert has claimed he's been this whole time with all of his jogging around the track, Sunland Derby is in about six weeks. That is a 50-point prep race. With the new trainer, you win the Sunland Derby, you're going to be in the Kentucky Derby. Um, either way, maybe he gets second in there, shouldn't, but... Then you go to the Lexington Stakes in Keeneland. That's a small prep. Um, but the problem with that is it's just a few weeks before the Kentucky Derby. So you would have three, you're, you know, the Justify type schedule. You've got March 26th, Sunland Derby, April 15th, three weeks later, the Lexington, and then three weeks later, the Kentucky Derby. Like that is a lot to put on this horse after layoff. If he wins the Sunland Derby, if he's Kentucky Derby is really what you want to do with this horse, then you maybe you have that gap there. Maybe you do Sunland, you do Lexington, you do Preakness if you if Baffert just wants to keep him. I don't know. Yeah, and Tom like brings up the point. Hey, were any of the Baffert successful when they changed Barnes last year? Absolutely not. Right? I can't think of one. Were there any that I'm missing? Well, 
I mean, Taba was a became a Grade One winner because he won the San Anita Derby, but that was also like Baffert didn't want the horse to be there. <laughs> well, and that was also like super okay. That I would argue in the San Anita Derby, Taba was still trained by Baffert too. This year, yeah. you have to change quite a bit. The change you have to change your, your trainer earlier, right? So February twenty eighth is the deadline to switch trainers to be able to run these points races. Last year was the end of March, so a full another month. Sending to Derby early April, so easy to get that horse in. Can I throw one at you that I think would be interesting for Cape Rock? Yeah. What if you went to New York and you decided to go one turn mile as a fifty point prep? Oh. You don't need to be as fit. You know you're the best horse. Interesting. A cave rock Arctic arrogance exact. I see what you're putting down. I mean, it's if you're looking for a spot that, that you you are going to ease the horse into it, going that mile for a horse that's speed where you know you're going to be the fastest horse, and it also gets you enough points to get into the gate, that to me makes a ton of sense if you want to try and run them a little bit earlier than maybe you'd want to, because I think that's what, four weeks out, three weeks out from now? Um but that gives you the points, and it's a soft, cushy-ass spot to get into the Derby. That is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Long Garfield is uh, agreeing with you there. The New York uh, one turn again, the Gotham. That's Hey, we we really have no idea, and actually I wanted to bring this up because obviously uh, Cave Rock uh, working back is a big deal, but uh, I also had people messaging me this morning asking me uh, about different trainer movements for Baffert. So, We'll see what happens. We still don't have any news on that front. Baffert's and his lawyers are still trying to work things out with that, but uh, won't get a chance to talk about that for a little bit. Let's move on, Mike. Uh, we've got one prep race this week. I kept thinking Rebel was this weekend too, but it's next coming weekend. Just one prep this week in America, Risen Star Stakes. You've got a giant field of 14 in here. This is incredible. Uh, lots of horses that we've talked about before too. Phil's, Curly Jack uh, making his three-year-old debut. Sun Thunder. Got fourth to Arabian Night in the Southwest Tags. Harlow Cap, that's the Bob Baffert trainee that is now the first one to jump ship. He's with Steve Asmussen. And it's interesting. John Velasquez shows up at Fairgrounds to ride Harlow Cap. Uh, that might be a little bit of a tip-off here. But, yeah, a very deep betting field. Lots of good betting options. Yeah, you even mentioned Determinedly, um, who also – oh, yeah, you did mention him. But he is also another one at Fairgrounds who got a win last time. You did mention him. Okay. Uh, who, is a, who is a pretty touted horse going in here. So – I think this is a, a, a very fun field. Um, you, are you gonna make me are you gonna make us do fairgrounds again? Sorry. <laughs> oh. We're doing fairgrounds this weekend. <laughs> oh, me, man. Headed back to that long ass stretch. Um <clears throat> yeah, this is this is gonna be a tough race to handicap. I mean, two fills makes a ton of sense, ran really well last time, was able to 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 almost get the job done the previous prep race here. Victy formation is going to be a short price here, I'm guessing. Uh for Cox, you get Pratt aboard there. Um, I, I think it's interesting that Saya shows up on Angel of Empire as well. So that horse becomes a little bit more interesting there for Brad Cox, too. So this is going to be a fun field to break down. Another one where I'm not going to take too short of a price. And, man, that that 13 post sucks for victory formation. I mean, that's a brutal spot to be hung out in. Yeah, uh, this will kind of lead into the next thing we'll talk about here. But uh, Kentucky Derby Future Wager Pool 4 ended. And one of the horses on this list that took no money in that was Angel of Empire. Uh, opened to 80 to 1, closed at 90, 99 to 1. So, well, I think it's like $112 is what the payout will be for a $2 ticket. Uh, yeah, Saez is on that horse. Saez is riding that specific horse for a reason. Uh, you know, he could have been on the, the Pletcher horse, Krupe, who is, uh, is, is this year's, uh, what was this? 
unknown agenda. Oh, who was that horse that got that was a maiden for and won like six hundred thousand dollars? Uh, uh, oh, ran second in the juvenile, right? Known agenda is a different horse. It's on. Un... It's no. Chad, help me out here. It's it's one word. It's one with confidence. Something. Right. Uh, I thought it started with a U. I think it starts with a C. Command performance. You were there right. It is. It's command yeah. performance. Yeah. Uh, one more command performance. There it is. Yeah. Thank you, Chad. <laughs> you we were go. like two, two <laughs> seconds too slow there uh, with the delay and everything. Um, yes, command performance. But a croupy, a maiden, uh, a very well-regarded maiden, high-priced maiden, keeps running second all the time. You know, there's a horse right there that is very likely to hit the exotics and, you know, spice things up for you to price because, you know, it. well, as Aaron actually did say, a maiden might win the Risen Star. That's who he was talking about. Uh, victory formation, that post does hurt him, but Flavian Pratt riding for him again after riding the Smarty Jones. I think that's a big one. Tappet's Conquest, it's interesting that he's going to be there and instead of the allowance race where Tappet Shoes is returning, maybe he can do something for us. Uh, he's facing Banishing. Take two against Banishing. I don't think that's going to work. Uh, banishing looks good in that one. Uh, uh, so but, uh, are you going to pick McPeak in first or second in this race? <laughs> I know you love Sun Thunder. Uh, I do. Probably second in here, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about Mike. Uh, we got one more, th- a couple more things to talk about real quick. Actually, no, the last one. Uh, Kentucky Derby Future Wager. Pool four ended over the weekend. Forte ends as the eight to one top choice. He's always the top choice. Uh, very interesting. Not only that Hoosier Philly showed up here, she ended at 11 to one. She was the second best, second lowest odds for an individual horse. Um, Hoosier Philly, 11 to one. We still haven't seen her run at three. And after Wonder Wheels return, uh, I don't know how excited I am about watching Hoosier Philly at, at 11 to one for the Derby. Uh, we got asked this question. So I think someone asked me, would I ever bet Hoosier Philly in the Derby? I, I would never bet a Philly in the Derby. Not because I don't think one could ever win it. This is the reason why. <laughs> there is so much money that's being put on this horse because it's a Philly, because people love this horse and people bet with their hearts so often. And this is a great example of people betting with their hearts. A lot of people would love to see Hoosier Philly win the Kentucky Derby, and that's why they are betting it. Not because they think 11 to 1 is a good price on Hoosier Philly. They're doing it because they'd like to see Hoosier Philly win. And that would be my main issue with betting a Philly in the Derby. That horse would catch so much steam because so many people would want $2, $5, $10, $20, whatever it is, to win on the Philly, that the horse is going to be significantly overbet, irregardless of what their odds should be. Even if they should be 5 to 1, they're going to go off at 2 to 1. If they should be 20 to 1, they're going off at 8 to 1, right? Because of the money that's going to come in, this is a great example of exactly why I'm saying that. Who's your Philly should be literally a million to one because the horse has already said is not going to run in the Derby. But if Hoosier Philly was running in the Derby, the fair price is somewhere between, I'll be generous and say 25 to 35 to one, right? Based on what we've seen from this class so far and what we don't know about Forte, Cave Rock, the more talented horses that have not come back yet. So the generous price would be 25, 35 to one if you're guaranteed the horses in the gate, right? And here we're sitting 11 to one with a, formally unguaranteed not in the gate right yeah this that one i just kept looking at thinking it was a misprint I was like, no that's not it uh hit show took a big uh drop there uh 28 to 1 closing for winning the wither stakes uh, not surprising that's a lot of people reacting in the moment uh go rocket ride that's an interesting one to play especially when i wouldn't touch this horse and not because of 
I dislike him or anything, but the horse just debuted like a couple of weeks ago, and he's going to go straight to a graded stakes race, probably the San Felipe stakes, and face a few Bafferts for his first try against winner, second career start. It, you know, he's not, unless you think this horse is justified, betting him to win at 25 to 1, uh, that's pretty ridiculous. Anything else kind of catch your eye with the, the figures that came out? No, I mean, I, like, I, it's tough to bet any of these horses at these prices right now. I, I mean, you look through it determinedly at 99 to one's a little interesting if you wanted to throw some money down there. Um, I, it's like gun pilot at 66 to one, I thought looked pretty good last time out. Not really sure it's going to happen mm-hmm. there. Instant coffee way is the 22 to one. We talked about that horse when it was 75 to one. And now it's tough there. I think it's interesting to tap it twice trice here is down to 15 to one. And one of your shorter priced horses as well. Now uh, off that, that last win, which looked great, but has yet to face stakes company for pleasure. Um, Rocket can, uh, after winning the shoot, what was it? Holy bull, holy bull stakes. That's what he had that, uh, last weekend, 35 to one. Um, that this is the one I found interesting verifying everybody like fell out of love with verifying already a 15 to one was probably too low. I think the odds makers didn't think Hoosier Philly would be so heavily bet, but you know, for him to be 34 to one, he beat up on gun pilot last time um the two of them faced and he's aiming for the rebel stakes gun pilot came back to look fantastic i think verifying a 34 to 1 is would have been a great play if you'd been able to to get him at that because if he wins the rebel he's in the gate and i mean no matter what happens in his final start he's not going to be 34 to 1 in the the kentucky derby so um litigate boy he took a big hit there 28 to 1 that's not a good one there one of the things that i would say about these is i would this is such a reactionary pool People yes. bet based on what they saw recently. So if you ever want to bet these pools, these future pools, first off, I'd highly recommend you go find either a legal, a legal operator or an offshore operator that is offering fixed odds versus paramutual because you're always going, you, then you know what odds you're going to get versus having this flux here in these, these type of paramutual pools. But on top of that, I would never bet a horse that ran the weekend that specific pool is going on. Because those winners are all going to get overbet in those spots. So if you if the horse lost, then I guess you could make a case that it's a great time to bet that horse. Um, but man, if, if if like I think Verapine's a great example, people have kind of forgotten about him because he didn't run, and you see every single winner on this list get bet down, and every horse that didn't run kind of floats up a little bit, right? I mean, hit show sixty one down to twenty eight to one. Instant Coffee floats up because he didn't run this week. Kings Barn gets bet. Litigate gets bet. It's just even last weekend. I mean, look, Shadow Dragon's on there. Shadow Dragon at forty-six to one is wild. I mean, that horse is like came out of nowhere, which you know, not doing well, but came out of nowhere to run second last time. And what's going to be the weakest of the preps at Gulfstream? So it's like we're really going to now put that horse at forty-six to one after that one effort, and we've seen nothing else to back it up. And oh, by the way, we don't know how good Rocket Can is either. Like we think that the horse progressed well, but we really don't know. He beat Cyclone Mischief, which. We told you wasn't a good horse going into that race as well, so it's like, ah, eh, like we'll see what happens. But it's it's tough to like look at that horse at forty six to one, and that's just steam off the previous weekend. Uh, all right, your favorite part of this uh, of this show? Who is your forget the odds? Who is your Kentucky Derby pick right now? Cave Rock. Yeah, you can feel better about saying that now that he's had it work back. Uh, All I needed to see was that workout, man. I, I thought he was the best horse last year. And, like, Forte ran him down. They will do a great job. But I, I, If I had to pick one horse right now, I would I would take Cave Rock. Forte is a close second. They're clearly the best two right now. 
we'll see what happens when we actually get to see them back on the track this year. But but to me, and that's surprising. Usually I like horses that have run versus the ones that are just working out. But Forte is not working well. Cave Rock's first work back looks good. I'm, I'm going to go with Cave Rock right now. Ooh, I'm gonna. They actually do have it, the the replay for it up on XBTV. So uh, I'm with you on Cave Rock. Uh, I, I this is I've been saying it, and then I've been getting very nervous more and more as time's gone on. But you make a great point too, Mike. That uh, from what we've seen, there really hasn't been anything super inspiring to make you go, "Yeah, I want that. I want to, you know, I want to bet that horse or just prospects you're interested in, but nobody superb." All right, we're gonna watch this. This is uh, great radio, but. Um, so good to see Cave Rock back out there. We've been hearing for a long time that he was galloping and he was fine. And they were, you know, Baffert blamed it on the rain, which is just stupid. <laughs> they don't understand. Like, is the horse allergic to water? I don't, I don't get, no, because we see him get lots of bats. But look at the rider. Look at how, like, Cave Rock wants to go, man. He does. He, he is. I mean, the, the heels are down. I mean, the toes are pointing up toward the head. It just shows you how much he's holding him. He's five wide, six wide there as well. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I like this horse, so that's part of the problem here. Is that I, I, I think he's a very, very good horse. So, um, real quick here, in a asking or uh, in Oprah, Oprah asking question here, why would I say clearly better than Arabian? Um, I think Arabian has a paddling issue. I don't like how he runs. That to me is a big issue with him. Like, his, if you see his foot goes way out, and generally that means that that horse is going to tire going longer. Um, and so I, I have an issue with the running style on Arabian night, and that's one of the main reasons I'm not. As into him, yeah, he looked great at at uh, at, at the Keeneland. That was going one turn. Uh, he won at Oakland. I didn't think it was that impressive. He seemed to be slowing specifically later in the race, and kind of re-raised my concerns about the horse paddling and, and getting tired going longer. So because of that, um, I, I am not as high in a Arabian Night as some other people are. Uh, well, another concern too that Aaron brings up. It, actually, and a good segue here. Aaron's latest top twenty Kentucky Derby list is out. There is a, an update to the top five. Some shakeup that happened there. Um, he has fourteen number one in Arabian Night number two. He makes Aaron makes a great point in this video, which you can go watch now. YouTube.com/slash/RacingDudes. Uh, Arabian Night is going to go from the Southwest to the Arkansas Derby to the San Anita, or to the Kentucky Derby. Like only one more start for this horse you'd like to see another one in him, like a little bit more foundation. You get a little worried that he might be fragile, but he also had, was it today or yesterday, had a three furlong blowout that um, he seems like he's going to be back on. You also, the, the concern, you don't know with these Bafferts, what trainers they're going to show up with. I keep thinking Arabian Knight will go to Lucas because they're going to keep targeting Oakland for him. So, but that's the thing as well. You don't know. We saw what happened last year with the uh, with the Baffert horses when they left. Uh, but I do want to plug this. Yeah, the Kentucky Derby rankings for today, they just came out at the website, racingnews.com. You can check out the top five in detail in the video over youtube.com slash racing dudes. No argument with Forte or Arabian Night being your topic if that's where you want to go. Mike and I, are, we're also a little blinded by Cave Rock, and we just really, really want to see it. But you're... I can watch that that uh, workout again and again. You can like see every detail on the bottom of the boot of the rider. Like that's how far up that those toes are pointing. That's a good forty-seven change work. And one thing I'm like, I'm really happy that they. And I've said this before, but I got to say it again. I'm really happy they moved this date forward for the switching the Bafferts because it's going to give you as a better so much more information to see these horses run at least one race with a trainer 
It's probably going to be two in most cases with the trainer. So you're not only going to have a, a benchmark point in that first race, but you're going to see if the horse improves, doesn't improve, how they look visually, how are they working out with that trainer versus how they worked out with Bob Baffert. It gives you so many more data points to dissect to decide, okay, is this horse going to be able to step forward with a new trainer? Are they going to be, it's going to be a lateral move or is, are they going to regress? I mean, we, we talked about how many horses regressed when they left his barn and then kind of popped again when they got there, right? No pun intended. Uh, they, they all of a sudden got better again when they got to the Baffert barn. We're going to have more information this year than we did last year because it, like, I would, I mean, I know we, we kind of go back and forth on this. I still think Taba and Messier were probably two of the most talented horses in that Kentucky Derby. Um, we have no idea because we never saw them run at their peak in that Derby because of who was training them. Right. And we, we saw a, clear downshift and then they clear upshift back in both of them once they got back to the Baffert barn. So I, I love the fact we're going to have hopefully two data points plus multiple works with these new trainers to make a decision on how we want to play these horses in the Derby. You're on mute magic. So I'll answer the question. Loggins uh, got back ah. to the track for the first time uh, and started walking early this month and starting to run into or gallop into its actual training events. He has not hit the workout tab yet. I think Preakness is the earliest we will see him in a triple crown. I think he has zero shot of making the Derby. Yeah, it was even a couple of weeks ago, Brad Cox's trainer had said that the derby, making the Derby was going to be tough. And so when they're saying it that far off, it's usually like, mm, yeah, yeah no, it was, that's probably not a great sign. It was also an injury setback for Loggins. I mean, that that's the other part of it where it's not like, hey, the horse, like apparently Cave Rock doesn't like the rain. Loggins was injured. Like there's a, a, a little bit difference there. It's why Loggins didn't go to the Breeders' Cup. Um, <laughs> The word is they kind of rushed him back to run in the uh, Breeders' Cup, uh, Breeders' Futurity at Keeneland and didn't come out of that race as, much, as well as they'd like. And so, I, I, I mean, we both thought Loggins was a, had a massive future out of that race. It's unfortunate to see what's happened to him, but he will be back later in the in the season. And I uh, wouldn't hate the idea if someone told me right now they wanted to put a future ticket on Loggins to win the Travers. Just put it that way. Loggins! Loggins! Now look, before either of us does something, we'll both regret. Just like betting on Loggins in the Derby Future Pool. I did that and I regret it. That's okay. Still love Loggins. Still love his chances. Hopefully he comes back around healthy. Uh, Mike, we can get out of here. Uh, don't forget the Risen Star Stakes is this weekend. Mike and I will be back to preview that on Thursday. He's already grumpy about it. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, but that also means the inside track to the Risen Star Wagering Guide is going to be available later this week. Uh, full in-depth coverage of all, I believe, 14 races for that card, um, including you have the Rachel Alexander Stakes, which you'll have Hoosier Philly returning. Uh, she's going to make her Kentucky Oaks bid. We didn't talk about the Oaks, really. I kind of want to wait for Hoosier Philly because the Suncoast debacle. We need to see where we stand with Hoosier Philly and Pretty Mischievous, who I think right now is the number two choice for the Oaks based off of what we just saw. Uh, but we've got that coming up Thursday. Uh, if you want to tune out now, that's great. We'll see you then. Mike, what did you think about the Super Bowl? Well, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll put it that way. Um, I, I, I thought it just, look, sometimes you have the better player. And, and I didn't think Patrick Mahomes played out of his mind. I actually think Jalen Hurts played phenomenal in that game. Uh, but the coaching difference kind of really reared its head there. If you tell me Philly's going to have 60 plays to 30 for the Chiefs at one point, they're going to have 33 minutes of time of possession heading into the fourth quarter. You got you to win that football game. You just have to. And um, they kicked two field goals in the second half. Uh, I'm sorry, they yeah, yeah, they kicked two field goals in the second half, and that was really the difference in the game is that they they weren't able to punch those in for touchdowns. A lot of people mad about the holding call. Look, it was a hold. Like, even the cornerback after the game said, yeah, I held them. I was hoping they wouldn't throw the flag. I mean, and, and as soon as the ball went up in the air, the route was clearly impeded. You're going to get a flag for that most of the time. So 
uh, I, I don't think that was a bad call. Um, I think it was the right call and kind of unfortunate again. Like it's the same thing as, hey, you can't hit Mahomes when he's a, three steps out of bounds. Like again, the right call, just a, another unfortunate thing, right? So it's like, all right, well, don't don't commit penalties in those times and don't force the flag out of the referee's hand, right? So, and, and like I said, Bradbury after the game says, yes, I held him. I was hoping they wouldn't throw the flag. So to me, that was, you can make the argument that you're not happy that you didn't get a chance to see Hertz have a time have the time to come back and try and drive for a game winning field goal, but you can't really argue that that was or wasn't a penalty because it clearly was. So, um, I, to me, the most interesting thing out of this is is the the Chiefs dynasty side of it. Like we we saw Brady win seven Super Bowls, Mahomes that's in range. I don't think people realize like this was a rebuilding year for the Chiefs. They have five defensive starters that are rookies. That defense is going to be very good in the next two years. Um, they have $14 million in the wide receiver room. They're easily going to be able to upgrade that wide receiver room. Like this could get scary how good this Chiefs team could get in the next two or three years. And I, I realize the AFC is loaded. I realize a lot of these games are razor thin margins, but man, like uh, it's, it's going to be crazy to see what they're able to do moving forward. If they are able to improve, because if this is the worst Chiefs team you see in the next three years, that's, a, that's a very, very scary thing. What did you think about Rihanna in the halftime show? That was a pretty diversive thing on Twitter. And I know you were at a bar, so I don't know how much you got to pay attention or hear it. But what were your thoughts on Rihanna? I actually didn't see it. Uh, so our babysitter canceled on us. So I was not able to go to a bar. Uh, so I went outside and played soccer with my daughter during the halftime show. <laughs> I didn't bet it. Well, that works. So I figured, you know, I'm just going to go outside. I'm going to enjoy some uh, little sun up here in Santa Barbara and then uh, go watch the second half. You know, we did uh, uh, on Dude to Bet Daily every day leading up to the Super Bowl. Uh, you had a great idea. We'll have prop bets that we each like. And I think for the most part, we did good. I know that the under for the national anthem was a lock. That He got like two verses in and I just looked at everybody. And I was like, oh, this baby's going so under. He is he is cooking through this. So that was a nice one. Um, the prop bet that I had for uh, for Sunday when I couldn't make the show it was Kelsey and uh, Goddard both getting over 50 yards. So that cash, that was a nice one. Um, but you kind of have a little bit of uh, canary feathers hanging out of your mouth there. I'm guessing you had a good time betting props too. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, well, I, I bet, I mean, look, this is part of the reason why I probably have this belief. I bet the Chiefs 7.5-1 to one to win the Super Bowl before the season. I bet Mahomes to win the MVP at 7-1 to one before the season. So got to cash those season-long bets, which was awfully fun. If this game landed KC by two, I would have been through the freaking moon. But uh, we'll happily take kind of where it landed – I played KC in the over in the game, so that was good. I had I bought back some Eagles action on the Super Bowl ticket. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was overall a good day. And I thought it was a good game. Like, that's what I wanted more than anything else, was to be a really good game. And, like, that's – it was. I mean, it was an enjoyable football game, back and forth. Uh, it was wild that the defense couldn't get off the field. I figured that the Eagles would be able to at least slow down Kansas City and that Kansas City would have a little more success. But the Eagles kept getting in third and one and fourth and one and just running that QB sneak, and there's nothing they could do about it. So – I do feel bad for specifically Jalen Hurts, who I thought played phenomenal. And I've been a Jalen Hurts detractor, and he played out of his mind. Some of the passes that he threw were so good. I mean, like the pass that he threw to Goddard, on, I think it was third and 11, third and 12, where Goddard bobbled the ball and caught it. There could be no other place you can put that football. And that was like the second one on that drive where he threw just absolute dimes to keep the chains moving. Um, it's a shame that we didn't get to see him get the ball back. because I, I that The Eagles would have kicked the field goal. We would have gone overtime, just kind of continued to make it a solid game. Other reason I feel bad for the Eagles, I don't think you're ever going to see them in the Super Bowl again. I mean, this was lightning in a bottle for them, if we're just being honest. Like, they faced three elite quarterbacks this year, and if you want to call Dak elite, I mean, they faced Dak Rodgers and 
and uh, Mahomes, all three put up over 30 points. I mean, if you look at the quarterbacks they faced, it was weak sauce. The Niners are going to be very good next year. I mean, there's just – it's going to be really tough for Philly to try and recreate this season. And we've seen what's happened to some of these Super Bowl teams. It's not going to happen to KC. They're going to be good again next year, which means that Philly is the most likely candidate to struggle here. And so see what happens. Um, but, man, I, I Philly is probably not going to be back. you got to feel for Jalen Hurts because of that. Yeah, traditionally speaking on the Eagles, the they don't the team that loses the Super Bowl doesn't even usually make the playoffs. The Bengals were kind of the outlier this year by even making it to the conference championship game. All right, last question for you. Uh commercial. Did you have a favorite commercial or a most memorable one from the Super Bowl? Uh I actually liked the Dunkin' Donuts Ben Affleck J Lo commercial. Uh it was early on, but I thought it was funny yep. that that like he's working at Dunkin' Donuts and doing his thing. And then you kind of feel like it was like one of those, hey, we have the, this guy working and no one knows about it. Like it's not really a commercial. It's more of just like a and then she pulls up, you're like, oh no, this was all staged the whole time. And she goes, Oh, is this what you do all day when you're working? Like I, I thought that was actually a pretty entertaining good one that uh, that, that actually delivered into the line hit. That was a good one. Uh, my favorite was the Breaking Bad Popcorners one, where it seemed like it was directly taken from the show. Um, you even had uh, Tuca Salamanca come back, uh, one of the uh, supporting actors. So I thought that was a great one. Um, it's crazy that it's been several years since Breaking Bad ended, and the the two main characters just fell right into it. It felt yeah. very natural. I also really loved, I think I might be the only one, the Bush Light commercial, where the guy was talking about you need food and water and shelter like the the important things in life and then sarah mclaughlin comes out and starts like she's gonna sing the animal shelter song that one made me laugh really hard i might be the only one that that happened to but uh i did really appreciate that the sarah mclaughlin kind of being in on the joke about her damn animal shelter song i liked the blue moon commercial until it became a blue moon commercial the one where it's like the coors light versus miller light if that actually were both a coors light and miller light commercial and they paid for it together I think that would have been better than Blue Moon dropping the little Blue Moon at the end and saying it's a Blue Moon commercial. Because I was enjoying the Coors Light Miller Light thing until Blue Moon just came and ran it over. <laughs> well, we'll be back on Thursday, like I said, at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific, covering fairgrounds and that turf course. And I think there's two races in that pick five on the turf. Oh, I didn't make the joke. I almost tweeted this. Would you have been shocked if CDI was in charge of the turf for that Super Bowl game? Hey oh <laughs> I, I, I thought about sending it out last night. I didn't do it. I was going to actually say that we were sponsored by the Super Bowl turf brought to you by CDI. Because, man, if there's someone who can't handle their turf, it's apparently the Super Bowl and CDI. <laughs> uh, damn it. Oh, well, remind me. Well, no, it will be too late on Thursday. Shoot, that would have been a good one. Oh, well. Thank you so much for joining us for the latest Derby uh, updates and talk. Like I said, we'll be back for Thursday's show for Fairgrounds. And then – um the week after that monday's president's day so we'll probably be on tuesday that week but uh please join us if you can and of course dudes who bet daily every wednesday thursday friday saturday and sunday at noon eastern 9 a.m pacific although super bowl is done i don't know what the hell we're going to talk about until the cfl starts in a few months but hey tune in that's half the fun until then i'm magic and i'm mike good luck this week everybody the magic mike show where you hear the experts speak the magic mike show tune into the show every week the magic mike show you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by racing